Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta come to you uh, from Calgary, uh, one of my favorite cities, one of my favorite press boxes. I know it's Anthony's. He once got food poisoning in there. Not quote, in unquote, the press box. Quote, unquote, food poisoning. Yeah, I did. It was actually the, but it wasn't in the press box that I got it. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, I had, it was one of the worst days of my career in terms of how I felt. I went to morning skate. I stopped and had lunch. And by the time I walked from lunch back to my hotel, I knew that something I had eaten was not right. Yeah. And I got back to my hotel. I laid down on my bed in a full sweat. And I'm not a nap guy. Like, I never take a nap on a game day. And I laid down, face down on my bed. I don't know how I woke up because never I, I didn't set an alarm or anything. I woke up. I had about 20 minutes to get to the bus. So I took a quick shower. And I, we don't need to go into too hairy details, but I remember <laughs> when we were riding the bus to the rink, I was watching every stoplight. Like, I hope that one turns red because I'm going to have to run off this bus to uh -huh. get sick. And we made it to the rink. I didn't have to get sick. I went to the game and was just, I sat in a cold sweat the whole night and it was miserable. And during one of the intermissions, I did run to the bathroom, which is not in the press box. Yeah, just go yeah. out in the crowd. And I went out into the crowd and, you know, I we don't need to start the show talking about vomit or anything, but bottom line is I, I made it back about 30 seconds before face off yeah. to the game. And it was, and Mike Greenlay was, he was nervous because he was like, what's going to happen if he doesn't get back? And yeah. he had pictures of me like during commercial yeah. breaks. You're I was like in a parka. I was in my full overcoat and I, I would sit there and quite literally fall asleep in the two minutes that we were at commercial break. <laughs> That's how lousy I was feeling. And then they woke you up to call the game. Right. I remember, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was before the game or just the first intermission. I walk in there because I was on ballot or Fox sports North that night when it was still Fox and, uh, Greenlay was holding the mic and I thought he was playing a practical joke. I'm like, ha ha ha. Where's Anthony? He's like, no, seriously, what are we talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was in the bathroom the yeah. whole intermission. Yeah. That was a bad night. It was, I've never felt worse during a broadcast and when you'd start calling the game and you kind of had something else to focus on, it seemed to go okay. But it, I, the cold sweat I had not experienced like I experienced it that night. I was shivering and yet in a pouring wet sweat. It yeah. was, it was miserable. Yeah. It was, I, I still remember that, but uh, I do love this arena. It's just so unique. I mean, obviously I just said this on the other podcasts that I do with like, you know, I'm not a, paying customer and i'm not an owner that needs revenue streams and i get that there are no frills here but it's going to be a sad day when they open a new arena here i just love this building it's unique uh the press box the sight lines are awesome uh and you know even just the the walking up the stairs yeah it'd be nice it's, to have a little bathroom well, in the in the press box that's all true and when people ask me and we get the question often we've had it on this show often about favorite cities and i always will start by saying if you're talking about cities for food or experience but when it comes to the rink and the sight lines this one's right up there with the yeah. best in the league the drawback is that you are cramped for space and you do have to walk out a catwalk to go back into the crowd to use the facilities they don't have a you're not separated in a press box and it's one of the things that i love about the xl energy center is the space itself is about as comfortable as there is in the league we're high up and a ways back and maybe you just kind of get used to it when it's your home rank where it doesn't bother me as much as some yeah. of the others that are probably just as high, but Calgary 
is right up there with the best in the league. It is so much fun to call a game from there. You were almost right on top of the penalty box. When we look straight down, you're almost directly above the it's guys the in the box. It's the only press box in the league where the broadcasters are on the other side of the of the writers. So we're over the benches on our side, and you're over the penalty box on that side. Right, right. and we're always away yeah. from the benches, other than in Stockholm. That was the only yeah. one that we were on the same side yeah. for some reason. And yep. it was our cameras were on the opposite side. Actually, Montreal, you're on the other side too. We're over the benches. Um, you know, the, the writers, but we're always over the penalty box because we're always shooting into the benches. And I didn't realize that you guys were on the opposite side in some of these buildings. Cause once we leave the media dining room, we don't really carouse with the writers much during the game other than just to go pass room every once in a while. But yeah, yeah. We enjoy that. Uh, December 13th is our next live show at split rock 7 PM. Uh, get there early at six and you can have dinner and, uh, Get a pint to grain belt, and that comes in a worse seats in the house pint glass that you get to keep for free. So uh, limited a uh, number of uh, pint glasses, and our incredible producer, Brandon, will also have a bunch of T-shirts there if you ask live questions. So December 13th, 7 p.m. at Split Rocks. Uh, definitely come on out. And again, we are always coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. We're usually on location, actually always on location. This time we're, we're coming to you located from, uh, somewhere. Yeah, you know, this time we're coming to you from the... Uh, Calgary Marriott. Uh, um, it's probably not one of your favorite hotels, but it's a good Marriott for me. I got a nice suite here. I don't mind it. It's We just moved here a couple of years ago. It's better than the Westin where we used to stay here in Calgary. We one time stayed in an old Fairmont that I liked better and had a wasn't great that time little when jazz you, was, bar. That was the time, time the Westin was on fire. fire yeah. yeah. That's still, that, was, that was Andrew Heights' first, first road trip. trip. Yeah. yeah, and and so this one I don't mind. It's closer to the rink than the Westin. It's a it's walkable from here. I don't mind the proximity to the mall area here in Calgary. It's it's there's nothing wrong with the hotel. It's just it's, not the uh, Pan Pacific in uh, Vancouver. That you know, one of your nights. Nice, no, the posh. Pacific Rim. That, yeah. we're oh, back. Yeah, yeah. We're back in the Pacific Rim on this trip. That's my favorite hotel in the league. By the way, the Pan Pacific, which is right down the street. Is also and, uh, isn't really nice. I yeah. mean, it's incredible. I right stayed on the there water. once, and I don't remember if it was because there weren't enough rooms in the team hotel. For some reason, we stayed there once, or I did, and it, that's a great hotel too. It's they, we're spoiled. We stay in unbelievable places, and this one is the one thing I do like about this hotel is that it it has a terrific hotel bar with how they make old fashions. Yeah. They have these actual slabs of wood and there's either four or five options for wood. And it's like an a la carte option for your old fashioned. They have the five or six different bitters options. They obviously have a ton of bourbon options, but then they have syrup options. So you can say, I'd like a basil syrup with a cherry bitters and I'd like it on the hickory wood and they'll smoke your glass right there on the hickory wood. They actually do it with the true wood. And it, the old fashions here are unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to maybe one of those on the way home from dinner tonight. Right. And, and, uh, that, that, what it also does is make the entire lobby smell like a, like a smoked, uh, fire. It's just really cool. Reminds me of like the hotels in Banff, just there you walk in and it's just like, smells like fireplaces. All right. Uh, let's talk about the wild. Last time you and I did a podcast was on the afternoon, right before the game of John Hines's wild debut before they play the St. Louis blues. Uh, what a difference a week makes Anthony uh, a week ago. They looked like they were on their way to go draft Macklin Celebrini and lost seven in a row. And they make the coaching change. And now in three games, since three victories outscoring their teams, 13 uh, to three, they're three for seven on the power play 
10 of 11 on the PK, most notably, in my opinion, their save percentage is gone from 868 under Dean Evason to like 968 under John Hines. And Dean Evason's got to be sitting at home like, are you effing kidding me? Well, I think there for sure is probably a little bit of that. And, and that's why when people have asked me about it, I've been quick to say that even John Hines will tell you, he hasn't made any major changes. They've made a couple subtle changes and they have made a difference. And there's always, not always, but most times a spark when you get a new head coach in the room. Sometimes it's just a wake-up call for guys to look around the room and a guy that most of the people inside this room liked just got fired. And there's a little bit of a, a wake-up call that comes with that, that what in the world is wrong with us guys? We just got a guy we liked and respected fired. And all those things are the things that we kept talking about when we were speculating was Dean Evason on the hot seat? Is it a time where you have to consider it? And we kept saying that, look, it isn't Dean's fault that the goaltenders are 86%. It's not Dean's fault that suddenly guys can't finish and can't score. But the truth is, I thought, and we talked when on the show last week, after that game in Detroit, it just looked like a team that was lost. It looked like a team that had lost all confidence. And during the losing streak, I kept wondering, is it just going to take one night where a few pucks go in and all of a sudden everybody feels good about themselves? And what it took was the coaching change. And I'm not trying to discount what Hines has done because I do think a couple of the things, whether it just be minor changes or words that he's used to connect with guys, they're playing a faster, more confident style. Then some pucks go in and now all of a sudden everybody feels good again. The goaltenders are making stops when you need them, and it's both goalies. Fleury, I thought, was really good in the Chicago game. And then the second thing, and Ryan Carter and I talked about this a little bit, there was, I don't think it was an accident that the timing of the change came when it did. The schedule had been a challenge for Minnesota. This was the catch-your-breath point that was perfect to say, we're going to bring in a new guy, St. Louis, Nashville, Chicago, nine games in a row against the Western Conference, not many of them against the teams that are considered the top end. You're not facing Vegas. You're not facing Colorado. You're not seeing LA. No Rangers, no Maple Leafs, no Devils. You're seeing teams that are right with you in the middle of the pack. This is the point in the schedule where you needed to make up some ground to make up for a slow start. And the Wild took advantage of it. They beat a St. Louis team. They beat up a Nashville or a Nashville team that actually had one six in a row, but I thought looked like a mess the night we faced them. And then Chicago is maybe the worst team in the NHL outside of San Jose. So I I, I want to approach all this with a little tempered enthusiasm. Absolutely. I love the way the games the team's playing, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the kills ten for eleven. They faced one team that was one for their last 22 and another team yeah. that was two for their last Blues 40. Blues had six power play goals and 60-some-odd. Right. The Blackhawks had seven yeah. for the whole season. So, yes, the kill has looked better. And then on top of let's look at how Fleury played on that first penalty kill Six in the saves. Chicago game. And a couple yeah. that were terrific saves. Yeah. So, I think it's great. you got to start somewhere. you got to build confidence somewhere. Hines has certainly seemed to have done that. And now it's time to continue this run. This is the nine-game stretch that was going to dictate whether this team had a chance to get back into contention. Nine in a row against the West. They've started with three wins. You probably need to end up, I thought, coming into it, you had to be 6-2-1, and 7-2, and two, somewhere in that neighborhood in the nine games to legitimately. Now, now you can just 
be in the hunt and it isn't going to take some kind of ridiculous win 10 out of 11 to finish the season yeah. or anything. So yep. we'll see what happens. Two games against the Flames in this stretch, two games against the Knuckleheads, um, and, and very important games against an Edmonton team that they are going to be fighting for the playoff spot uh, that is also playing better since the coaching change. A lot change. of these teams. But also Calgary, Seattle. Seattle yeah, like they're Se- all the teams that are in the middle of the yep, pack. And Nashville, too. Yep, Those, the, that's why these games are so important. Yep. And the Wild have three games in hand on Seattle, so you want to take advantage of that when we're there at the end of this road trip. Um, you know, to, to your point, though, uh, like, you can't pick your schedule. So it, so there are some people that are just totally discounting this, like, wake me up when they beat a good team. But but the other side of that is they are right. I mean, they're, they got to start playing better against the elite, and that's when I think we'll sure. really know. When but they go to Boston, when they go, you can. What I was saying about the schedule is it was. I don't yeah, think it absolutely. was a coincidence that that was the timing of the coaching totally. change, and part of it was the Seattle, the Sweden trip. You weren't going to make a change right before the trip, and I'm telling you, I think, uh, like to your point, if they lose eight three to Dallas and are not going to Sweden that day, I bet you he cleans house that day. I thought so too. Yeah, and we talked about it at yeah. that time that if it wasn't for that Sweden trip. The timing might have been a little quicker. I think this made sense then if they had come back and played a great game against Detroit because they had played well but lost in Sweden. If they had come back and put the hammer to Detroit, and really when you think about it, in so many ways they did. They completely dominated the game. Detroit gets two power play goals, one right off a faceoff play that it was... The game was played the way the Wild had to play. They just, their best players couldn't make a play. They couldn't finish. Yeah. And that was what plagued them so often during the seven-game losing streak. And I've had some, a lot of conversations with people around the team, and and most of them have just said that you feel badly for Dean because you still kind of feel like this is his team. And at the same time, it was a team that definitely needed something. They needed something to change. Yeah. There wasn't a big name coming up out of Iowa. You couldn't fire 23 guys. Firing an assistant coach probably wouldn't have been enough. This team needed a spark, and they've gotten it from this new yeah. head coach. And then you're right. I mean, I thought they really outplayed both Colorado and Detroit, and but there was one moment they were in that game where they just given up a power play goal, and you guys valleys. I was not at that game. Pan the bench and the frustration and the lack of answers by everybody there. It just you just had this feeling that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen the next day. And um, and that's why I started answering questions and why we wrote that mailbag, basically predicting that it was going to happen that day. Um, you know, it it just um, it, what is strange about everything that's going on now is they do they have started to really look like the team that we saw last season, and they are playing just fast hockey. They're getting it out of their own end uh, really quickly in the offensive zone. They're coming with layers. The defense are joining the rush. Again, watching on TV that Nashville game, I thought they moved the puck magnificently in that game. And so you get in the great goaltending. On the back end, we're seeing Jake Middleton play his best hockey of the season. We're seeing Jared Spurgeon play his best hockey since he came back from injury. We're seeing Brody and Faber playing really, really well. Up front, first line the other night, holy crap, man. Rossi, Zuccarello, and and Kaprizov. How many times have we talked this year about the the eye test told you there was something not right because we hadn't seen those kind of shifts from that line. And now we saw how many of them, six of them in Nashville, six of them Mm -hmm. in Chicago, where it's the other team has no answer for their ability to move the puck, make plays. And Ryan and I talked about it on the broadcast. 
Rossi has some similarities to what Hartman's role was on that line a couple of years ago, where for a while it felt like he was just along for the ride and happened to be the guy. And then as the season progressed, it was, hey, now he's starting to make plays too. Rossi has that same feel to it, doesn't it? Where yeah, it, for the first couple of games, he just looked like a guy deferring to them, had to have a third forward on the ice, so he was the guy. Now all of a sudden, he's with them. He's with them. He's holding on to pucks. Supporting, he's supporting yeah. plays. They're looking to him sometimes yes. to try and help drive the line. Yeah. Zuccarello and Kaprizov were doing everything to get him the hat trick the other night. Yeah. But to your other Hartman analogy that is hilarious to me because Hartman plays with such piss and vinegar, and I don't think anybody would ever mistake Marco Rossi for Ryan Hartman. But Marco is always at the net, and that's the one thing that that, that, that Hartman used to do for that line is go get the pucks in the corners and the dirtier is go to the front of the net. And this guy's five foot nine, dripping wet and a hundred and freaking 80 pounds. And he just is playing with pace and he's always in the dirty areas for a guy that's undersized. Yeah. And he's winning those battles yeah. on the wall and then making plays with it yeah. where that's, I think been the most impressive part for me with him this year and the difference in his game from last year, last year, there were some times where he tried to go to the net and just got pushed around. But every battle along the wall, he'd, he'd wind up on the ice. Mm -hmm. And now he not only is coming away with the puck, but he's coming away with the puck and then creating separation and making a play. And I think that's been a big part of that line yeah, success. I totally agree with you. And, um, and you know, the other thing he does is, is to your point of holding on to the pucks, is that he has that ability to hold on to pucks, draw players to him. And I think that's going to slowly but surely really create openings for both Zuccarello and, and Kaprizov is, you know, it's the old Vinny Dampus where, you know, he holds onto that puck, that extra second to draw defenders to him. And, and we're starting to see that he's just playing really, really well. Um, uh, before we, uh, you know, remind people, uh, who are incredible sponsors are that make this podcast roll. And I got a ton of things I want to talk to you about and go through all the lines. Let's talk a little bit about Zuccarello right now. I mean, this guy, he's on pace for 97 points. He's got an 11-game home point streak, point in every single home game. He's got an active nine-game overall point streak. He's got an assist streak of seven points. Um, and he's just getting older. Getting older, but getting better. So yeah, it's I, like what Marty St. Louis said last year. Like His speed with his legs have never been the greatest, but his brain is second to none in the league. Which it's been interesting to hear John Hines talk about him and say that I've been really impressed with his angles his approaches his back checking all of those kind of things that you have to watch him more than a couple games to appreciate how often that happens but we've got a couple graphics that you'll see in the broadcast tomorrow night against the flames that he's on pace right now for 97 points there have only been three guys in the history of the nhl that at age 36 or older have scored more points in a season gordy howe Joe Sackick. I was Wayne just going to say Sackick because I remember writing right. about that. And so it was Howe and Sackick were the only two who ever got to 100. Gretzky hit 97. Zuccarello's pace is technically 96.9. So I put him fourth on the list behind Gretzky's 97. There's a long way to go, and a, it's a difficult pace to maintain. But it just puts into perspective what he's doing right now. We also have a – we'll look at the fact that there are a few guys who are 36 right now having terrific years, 36 or older. Zuccarello is a point up on Crosby and Joe Pavelski, Andre Kopitar. These, it's crazy how many of these guys at that age, Claude yeah. Giroux having a great yeah. year in Ottawa. There's five of them that are at 20, 
21 or 22 points or higher is where we cut it off that are all 36 or older. We'll talk a little bit more about it during the show tomorrow night. And it was actually Wes Walls that prompted me to start doing some of the digging into the research for it. And Wes will be on the call with me in Calgary. And so I spent a little plane ride digging that stuff up. And when you start to see the names on the list, anytime you put a graphic yeah. on the screen that has a guy's name above Wayne Gretzky, yeah, you got an idea that he, what you're watching is something special. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, maybe maybe all those old guys have been or are tired of people saying it's a young man's league because they're showing uh, that it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, here's a word. From Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagoshish. Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High Family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnebagoshish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. This holiday season, Aquarius Home Services is your ultimate partner for simplifying your holiday lighting needs. Like me, if you're tired of braving the freezing cold to unplug your lights, Aquarius has the solution. I had them install a smart timer and now I can stay inside the comfort of my home while effortlessly turning off my holiday lights. Plus, with their exclusive offer of $98 off any electrical repair, you could say goodbye to the outdoor electrical headaches. Their highly skilled team is prepared to install outdoor outlets, seamless switches, hassle-free lighting timers, and smart Wi-Fi controls, much like the one I've benefited from, all precisely crafted to elevate your holiday experience. Let Aquarius Home Services brighten up your holidays and enjoy a season filled with joy, not electrical frustrations. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Don't forget to mention Russo sent you. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Do more with Royal Credit Union's mobile app. The Royal mobile app lets you receive real-time account alerts, deposit checks, send money to family and friends, pay bills, and more. It's quick and easy to manage your accounts from anywhere. And you can even log in with your fingerprint or face. Open your Royal Credit Union account and enjoy our top-rated mobile app. Learn how easy it is to get started with the Royal Credit Union mobile app at rcu.org slash go mobile. Insured by NCUA. Back here, worst seats in the house, Michael Russo, Anthony Lapanta, December 13th at 7 p.m. at Split Rocks is our next live show. Anthony hasn't been at my house in a long time, so you haven't seen my electrical, uh, my lights outside, my holiday lights, have you? I have not. Huh. Holiday <laughs> lights at Russo's house. Yeah, you, you I mean, I when I think a, holiday think I cheer... A, uh, Think I got on a ladder and put them all up myself. Yeah, when I think holiday cheer, I think Michael Russo. Yeah. I remember one of the years we invited you over for what we used to always host that Island of Misfit Toys party on Christmas Eve that we've kind of gotten away from the last few years. But I remember one year you came over, walked in the door, and had been there for, I'm going to say, 30 seconds. Walked around to each of our kids and handed them a Starbucks gift card. And I bought a Target uh, two and, minutes before. Right, and almost like just kind of flipped it. Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Incredibly generous, but 
the lacking a little bit of the holiday cheer and spirit that normally comes with gift opening in the Lapanta household. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be anxious to come over and check out the holiday lighting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did not put them up. So the, my smoke detectors, uh, batteries died and I had to get on a step stool for that. You think I got on a ladder? By the way, I'm a little concerned that Delta just sent me an advisory that my flight to Calgary is just boarding. I'm just making sure I didn't accidentally book two flights. So if you, everybody bear with me as I double check my app. Holy crap. Could you imagine that mistake? Nope. Says I am already here. All right. Um, Good. I'm glad we got that worked yeah, out exactly. on live, live on the podcast. Yeah. So we talked to the, uh, we talked about the top line. Uh, we talked about Rossi and Zuccarello Kaprizov. Let's talk about the second line, Boldy goals and consecutive home games. Eric Snack has just been, um, you know, an absolute warrior all year to use Dean Evison's words during my sit down with him the other day, which I'm sure you read. Um, Might've missed it. It was a good story and you don't even read even the good ones. Every once well, in a while, I write a good one. Well, let me know when it's a good one and I'll make sure All I right. get Margo's login info. And yeah. Um, so by the way, can you please give your brother a Margo's login <laughs> info? Because it's like, he like, uh, he sent me a text the other day on something that I just written a giant story about. I'm just like, dude, uh, it might've been Dean. He's like, how's Dean? I'm like, I don't know. I just wrote freaking 3000 words. You can read that. I'll have um, to, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. AJ and Vinny always will text me and yeah. so every, well, they won't always text me, but they occasionally will text and either say, tell Russo to write something about this and, or else they'll ask if like, was I there when Russo talked to this guy? And half, <laughs> most of the time I just have to tell him that, you know what? I haven't, read michael's article yet i'm sure i'll hear about it soon but as long as you just continue the auto renewal the athletic i'm fine with it so um <laughs> i'll check it out uh so uh you know erisonek we've talked about he's been so unbelievable much about but how i mean it, it is nice to see boldy squaring you just wish he he potted that one in nashville the other day and he'd have a three-game goal streak um but he's starting to look more and more at himself and it just feels like that line is getting closer to what we saw last year if we can Maybe just get the guy in the left wing going. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Boldy's game against Chicago was one of his better games of the year. Erickson Eck has just been so good. It's it's unbelievable the little things he does on not and I'm not just every I'm saying every shift. He'll make some kind of a play that you just say, Well, this guy, it's unreal what he does. And the good players that he shuts down. Did you even notice Connor Bedard in that game no. the other night? Not, not he had no chance, and there were about four or five shifts where. And by the way, I didn't notice Randon or McKinnon when he that no. last home game too. And it, when when did you notice Mitch Marner when we were in Sweden? I mean, it's the guy shuts down the best players in the world on a nightly basis. And there were a couple plays that Bedard had the puck in the game the other day, and all of a sudden somebody just knocked him down or took it from him. And I at one point I finally just asked Ryan Carter. I said. This guy has to be wondering what happened here tonight because he's getting a steady diet of either Spurgeon or Brodine on every shift, and I should throw Faber into that mix, too, but I'm just saying the Spurgeon pair or the Brodine pair, and plays where I'm sure he thought, oh, here I go, I'm in the clear, and all of a sudden, before you know it, Erickson Eck has just tossed him like a rag doll in the corner, or Brodine has closed out on him on his rush and stripped the puck from him. And what Erickson Eck has done has been amazing especially when you consider that both Boldy and Johansson have been slumping. And Boldy's game I thought was great. Johansson is a different, it's an interesting study because his skating looks fine. He doesn't look disengaged, but yet 
he just can't score right now. And there have been a couple plays like the Boldy backhand in Nashville where he probably picks up an assist on that play if Boldy doesn't miss the net. And and Boldy only having three goals certainly contributes to the guy in the other wing not having assists. But he hasn't been in the middle of what I'd say has been a plethora of high-danger chances either. He looks healthy, his skating looks fine, and effort level and everything looks fine, but somehow, some way, they got to get that line going because Connor Dewar isn't going to be racking up hat-tricks. The Felino-Maroon line, whether it be with Gaudreau or Hartman or anybody else, they're... They might contribute a goal here and there, but they're not going to help you with scoring. So you're going to need that second group, that the the line of Eck, Boldy, and Johansson to contribute here pretty soon. Um, before I, I really want to talk about Brock Faber a lot here, but um, let's just continue down the lines actually. And you know, the third line, Ryan Hartman is going to probably have to be patient until they lose a game. I mean, um, you know, it, it, he gets suspended. They win the first two games under John Hines without him. You go into the third game, you're obviously with Maroon playing well with Goudreau and Felino, you're not changing that. So so Hartman goes to the fourth line with Dewey and Dewey. Um, and so he's just gonna have to bide his time and play patient and wait for either, you know, an injury or, or Paul poor performance or a loss or something like that. Um, but Goudreau's played really well on that line. Maroon's fit in well. And, you know, analytically, we're you know, sometimes we all look at the fact that Marcus Felino only has a couple goals thinking that he's having this bad year. He's been really Really, really good, good as a shutdown forward. It's been great. And if you can lean on that line, as now all of a sudden you can free up the Eck line a little bit every once in mm-hmm. a while, give them a couple offensive zone shifts instead of saying, hey, I've got to have those guys for defensive zone faceoffs well, to your and everything. Point, like, remember uh, the game before Colorado when I tweeted out the lines that Erickson Eck was between uh, Felino and Goudreau and no longer like Sweden where he was on with Boldy and Johansson. Everybody just freaked out. The reason why Dean did that was because he wanted that line going up against Ranton and McKinnon right. where the other night, John Hines was perfectly fine with flo- throwing Erickson Eck, Boldy and Johansson out against that line. Right. And it, as you said, it just frees everybody up. Correct. And so we'll see. I, I think you don't know where it's going to end up, but long-term Ryan Hartman probably ends up somewhere higher up in the lineup than the fourth line. But if he's playing on the fourth line and he's helping you, he's on the second power play, He's on your penalty kill. He probably is going to end up with more minutes than your normal fourth line guy. But really, if you start to look at who you supplant, maybe Patrick Maroon or Freddie Gaudreau on a third line where he fulfills what would be a a checking line spot, but a guy who could score a little bit there. Otherwise, somebody's got to get banged up yeah. in the top six because or, the or way- at some point John Hines says, you know what, we're going to send a little message to Johansson and drop him in the lineup. Which I Could don't know be. if you want him on your fourth line. No, um, and Hartman can, that's where Hartman's versatility helps you more because he gives you a right shot faceoff guy on that fourth line. Mm-hmm. So now he and Dewar give you a lefty and righty for faceoff right. options, which is a n- nice luxury to have if you're going to throw that fourth line out in a defensive zone mm-hmm. draw. At least you have a chance to always have a guy on the strong dot. And uh, Hartman, with those two guys that have a little speed, Dewar and Duhame, maybe if your fourth line becomes a little more dangerous than your average fourth line might become. I, I thought it was interesting the way the Wild referred to Patrick Maroon being a, if he's playing on the third line, he helps you a little bit. If he's on the fourth line because he isn't on your penalty kill, and now with Hartman back in the lineup wasn't on the power play, it would be harder to get him those same minutes. So by leaving Hartman on the fourth line, Maroon on the third, now you keep both guys engaged in the game because Hartman's on the fourth line but playing power play, so he's getting a few extra minutes that way. I 
I, right now you got a little luxury with everybody healthy and everybody playing at least somewhat well, the team really playing well. So I don't think there's any need to start to shake things up. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year with Rossi. When, it, will he ever get a chance? Because that spot is being filled by Ryan Hartman. And I remember I just kept saying, he's got to earn it. And if Hartman's going good, you're not just going to throw him up there because he's Marco Rossi. Well, that opportunity opened up and Rossi took it and ran with it. So mm-hmm. now Hartman's in that spot. Yeah. And it might have to be wait till an opportunity and, is and there. Similarly, and similarly, like people always talk about a coach's guy, similarly what he's trying to overcome here is two guys that have played for John Hines before, Marco, Marcus Johansson and, and Pat Maroon. So there's a comfort level there. So Ryan's just going to have to be uh, patient. Uh, let's talk Brock Faber a little bit. And um, my God, this guy, um, he is just so good. Now he's suddenly uh, on the second power play unit. Um, it took a Spurgeon injury to move up Goligoski, and then they liked him. They scored the goal with him out there, and they keep him out there. This also started um, when they were up 6-1 in Nashville, and they threw him out there with the fourth line. Um, this is somebody that didn't play a lot of power play at the University of Minnesota, so he's got to slowly but surely get comfortable there. John Hines talked about the other day, they don't really want to throw him on the power play until they give him some practice time and put him in the best position to succeed. But man, this kid, um, with he's an elite defender. Um, he skates like an elite defender. And now if you can add an offensive element like we saw the other night, holy mackerel, is the sky the limit. I agree. And it does make you really think for a couple different levels there. One is that this is a guy who long-term is going to be a power play guy in the NHL. And I'm not talking about John Carlson where he's going to be one of the most dangerous right shot middle point guys, but he's going to be a power play guy. Yeah. Mike Green. And, and he might always be, plays for Washington. Right. But he, and he might supplant Spurgeon as that top middle guy. I wouldn't say this year, but maybe next year. Mm-hmm. And yet he wasn't used on the power play at, at the University of Minnesota because he was a part of a defensive core there that had just some ridiculous talent. And you look around the NHL, those guys are having success in the NHL now. But sometimes it's just where guys fit and how their game fits. I, we've got another graphic you'll see in our show tomorrow night that and I'm a, I, I am an analytics guy. I like to look at them and, and just find if statistics support what the eye test is saying. The eye test is saying that when he and Brodine are on the ice, nobody scores. And we'll have a graphic tomorrow night that people will see that among all defensive pairs, I think I cut it off at 150 minutes or 180 minutes, something, fewest expected goals against, which eliminates whether or not your goalie makes the save. It's expected goals. They're number two in the league in terms of the fewest per 60 minutes played. Mm-hmm. And the I think the only one that's better than him is Pesci and Hannafin in, in Carolina. <laughs> to, to, to not, not, not slouches. No, terrific. And, f- and, and to clarify, five on five, right? Five on five. PK, right. they have not been that rude. Well, they haven't, but again, part of that's goaltending yeah. with the save percentages that Minnesota's had on the penalty kill. So I like the expected goals against per 60 because it tells you that with goaltending that would be exactly the same for everybody in the NHL. This is how many goals they'd be on the ice for against every 60 minutes. And those two guys have just been terrific. And they're, a lot of it's coming against the other team's best. The other thing I noticed right away game one was how often Hines threw those guys out there with the Kaprizov yeah. line right away in that St. God, Louis that game. that drive me crazy. And it, well, and I mean. I, it, like, I get the rationale, okay. One, they were giving Bogosian and. Merrill offensive zone starts, which just tells you how much Bob Woods and Dean Evison trusted that air in their D zone, which right. is not good. Um, but 
when when Merrill turned the puck over for the Colorado uh, goal with Kaprizov out there on the ice and they couldn't get up the, you just you just knew like something had to change. Right. And it's there's a there's times and places for it, and it is one of the things that I thought I always Dean's mentality was always to be defend first. So that meant when he had his checking line on the ice, his third or fourth line on the ice, let's put the best defensive pair out there with them to help cover them up. Right. And then when I got he my always, best yeah. forwards on the ice and the puck's going to maybe be down in the offensive zone, I can get away with the third pair where Heinz's philosophy has been, let's put a couple guys with more skating ability, a yes. little more creativity. Yeah. Dean would do it in games once they were behind, but when it was early or even when he was protecting leads, he seemed more inclined to say, all right, we're up two to one. Let's protect our guys with the in this way. Heinz, even with a lead in Nashville, even with a lead against St. Louis, like, let's keep going. Let's defend by just making them spend five, two minutes in their own zone because we've got five guys on the yeah. ice who all play with the same kind of pace yeah. and creativity. It We'll see if that, you're going to get caught sometimes when you do that, for sure. But I like the aggressive approach to it. That And I maybe that's been a part of the reason why that Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Rossi line has looked so good yeah. is because now all of a sudden yeah. you look up. There, were, there was a time the other night where Brodeen attacked down the wall, he threw a puck out front, and it was to Brock Faber. Yeah. And I was like, we got both defensemen down yeah. in the zone right now and, and forwards yeah. up at each point. And that, those guys can skate to that level. So yeah. make yourselves a handful to defend and let it rip with those yeah. five guys who can skate. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, I was watching a Minnetonka game once when my cousin Andrew Prochno played for them. And uh, they were at Holy Angels down in Richfield, I think. Is it Richfield's the Holy Angels? Thing. I think the Rileys were on that team. I think so. Anyway, they um, play at Richfield Arena. Yeah, well, yeah. Although I think Holy Angels might have their own rink now. Okay. So anyway, uh, I was shorthanded, uh, uh, four on five, and the t- it, Prochno and Justin Hall went on a two on o, uh, shorthanded. Is it two on o or two on one? And I remember turning to Andrew's dad, Mike, and I said to him, like, they better score here because there are no defensemen back right now. <laughs> like, just kind of there are times where it's just like you're looking, and you're like, what is Jake Middleton doing in the right corner in the offensive zone? It's it's kind of funny. Um, all right. Um, let's talk a little bit about um about uh blah, 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 blah. What do you think? I have no idea what you were thinking. I don't know. I I think that we should uh, we could either go more Twitter questions or we could talk a little bit about Jesper Volstadt. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about, Jesper Volstadt? Because he's player that. Well, this is something else. I'm sure you don't know. Player of the week in the AHL, second time this season, coming off 43 and 40. I mean, this guy. He's been incredible. Yeah, this future. But what I think has been incredible is that he's responded to a challenge because they got after him a little bit early this season and about being a pro, getting yourself ready in better ways, and he's responded to it well. Yeah, and when we had a chance to chat with him a little bit during the Stockholm trip, which was interesting, to say the least, but to – I'm sure that was eye-opening for him to see what those guys are doing on a daily basis to keep themselves ready to play. And I think it's been great. And we've all had an idea of what the plan was all along that next year he'll be in Minnesota in all likelihood. And goaltending is such a difficult position to peg with prospects, to project. And with Ballstead, we kept saying, 
as sure a bet as you can have at the goaltender position. He looks like he's living up to that now. Absolutely. Uh, here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Anthony, tell us about Twill and the Adina Galleria. Well, I walked through the Galleria the other day, and one of the things I noticed was they got these brand new Minnesota Wild quarter zips from Johnny O, which is one of their main lines. And the quarter zips were cool. They've got a great collegiate line, too, that had like duffel bags and almost like Letterman type sweater looks that were pretty cool for all for the local schools. I think you should check those out. But it's a great spot for as you start to look at holiday gifts for any of the guys in your life. They've got great casual wear, business casual. The people there are terrific that'll help coordinate with you shirts, sweaters, slacks, scarves, whatever. They've got accessories too. So if you're down there out doing your Christmas shopping, make sure you at least make uh, twill at the Galleria and Edina on your list of places to visit. And here's a word from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindahl Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Christendale Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. All right, back here, Worst Seats in the House, Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta, December 13th is our next live show at 7 p.m. at Split Rocks. Uh, come on on down. Let's go through what Twitter what questions. We got, we, you know, we're in Calgary for the only time this year, and what's on your agenda? We got to figure out where we're going to dinner yeah, after exactly. the show. Uh, I don't know. We are in Alberta. Got to eat beef. Well, you can. That's been Speaking of somebody like, asked, what's your second favorite thing besides steak? I think I know the answer. That sea bass? Yeah, sea bass. I'd say probably seafood in general would be if it's. This was from Nate two one eight asked this question. Yeah, sea bass would probably be my favorite fish, and part of that is I have it more in restaurants than I do at home. I'll make it at home every once in a while, but at at home I'd say I probably make shrimp or scallops more often than other seafoods. But I like halibut. I like swordfish. If it's not steak. If I'm going to a nice place, it'll be seafood, and I'll probably go find seafood in Vancouver. We had a great trip here with an off night in Calgary, off night in Vancouver, off night in Seattle, and no off night in Edmonton. Yeah, I was just kind of going there. But it, the <laughs> you off, pick the trip. Yeah, the off night in Vancouver, I'll probably try to get seafood. So here, 
there's a good steak place here last year. I know there's a, a couple and I, they last year were so generous. They had met my high school buddies who were with me on the first trip to Calgary. They had met them after the game. They knew I was a big food guy and said, and they were big fans of our show and said, the next time the wild come to town, tell the Panther, we'd like to take them to the steak place, which is right down the street here at modern steak. And it was, it was outstanding. I went here with them the next time we were up. So I'm sure they're, they, I'm assuming they still listen to the show. They haven't gotten turned off by something and, but it was, <laughs> it was great. So that was, that was a terrific spot, but I love this little mall area oh, in yeah. Calgary. And I know that downtown Calgary, if you talk to people from Calgary, they say it's, it's not the most hopping spot in town anymore, but I love the little mall there. Mm-hmm. There's a couple really cool pubs that I like to go visit, shoot pool, play games after dinner. So I say we wander down there and don't have to have steak tonight because I did just have steak from Kowalski's at home a couple nights ago. So maybe maybe we'll hold off on the steak seafood dinner for till Vancouver. Maybe I'll find you a sea bass like I did in once in Pittsburgh. No, um, that wasn't that was Branzino, which is a type of sea bass, but the way it was prepared, the worst meal I've had in twelve years on the road. Morning. <laughs> Marty J says, What makes Spurgeon a uh, great captain? Well, I think number one, the way he goes about his business and how do you not respect a guy that was limited physically as he is in terms of size and yet plays the game so much larger than Mm -hmm. his stature would indicate, brings effort every night, first guy to the rink, prepares himself immaculately. He's a welcoming guy. Every holiday we see these big feast that he hosts for anybody mm-hmm. on the team that doesn't have a better place to go and whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, he's an all-inclusive leader, which we saw right from the start when he took over as the captain where it, his voice isn't the only one that's heard, but he's got a voice. People look at him as a quiet lead by example guy. And he's a lead by example guy that isn't as quiet as he comes across. And when he was out, they missed him, missed him dearly. Just his, positivity on the bench. Dean talked about it so often when he was out that he, that they missed all those things. And he's a warrior for a guy, his size, he doesn't get pushed around. He's willing to block shots. He's just a terrific player. I was worried when he went down at oh home in God. the game, it, with the way was. he laid there on the ice, it just looked like the hit didn't look egregious, but when a guy reacts the way he did, I really thought we were going to be talking about a guy out for a while. I was so thrilled to see him come back for the second period. Yeah, I thought they were going to throw him on LTIR today and then see him back there at the end of the first. Uh, Jade asks, um, with promoting their their D coach from Iowa and not replacing him, any thoughts on if they would uh, bring in any kind of veteran presence to the Iowa Wild as a mentor to young guys and maybe be a third option for call-up and Mermis and Hunt? I mean, you just can't just add... Uh, you know, a veteran that's out of work at these days at this point, unless you're making a trade or, you know, m- maybe your veteran presence at some points, Johnny Merrill, who knows? I mean, um, you know, I, I think that they, uh, the one thing they got to do is start playing their young guys down there. It was weird. I mean, David Spatchik, I know he struggled on there, went two weeks between games and then they sent him to the ECHL. Kyle Masters is basically pl- barely playing. I mean, it should be a development league and it doesn't feel like it's like, you know, you look at their roster and it's like, they feel like they got to win. I think they got to develop. And, and, you know, uh, to me is play the heck out of these young kids because next year, especially when you all of a sudden you add up all these forwards, the hates and the Ogrens and the who's not Enos and the Europe's um, parrots coming. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta play the kids, man. 
Yeah. Although the one thing I will say is that part of development is winning. I I firmly believe that. And you got to develop a mentality of what it takes to win. And the best example I think of that is, I remember about maybe seven or eight years ago, it was right at the end of the Red Wings run where they had had gone to the playoffs 25 years in a row. And they seemed to always be able to restock guys from their AHL team. And every time they came up, you'd look and it was the year before they were in the semifinals. They were in the finals. And a couple of those years in a row was against Tampa, who then the core of their team came up. And they had won together in the American Hockey League. And I remember talking to guys in Tampa about it. And they said, there's no substitute for guys who come up in the system and have won and won together. So they've been in those battles together. They've been late in series together. They've been late in games that mattered together. They lean on each other. So I I do think there is a little bit of a balance. And you also have to establish... Ice time's not just given to you because of your draft status or where you because your level of a prospect. You're in the American Hockey League. It's the second best league in the world. Mm-hmm. If this guy's playing better, he's going to play. Yeah, and you've got to learn yeah, how to change I, that. I, I agree, but I'd rather see David Spachik and Masters in the lineup over 31 year olds on a tryout. I mean, th- those are not future parts of the organization. I agree with winning but you got to play your kids. Right, and that's true, and we're not down there yeah. every day, so I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with any of those guys, and sometimes it might be a message sent that is something about your preparation, and I'm this is 100% speculation. I don't know that any of these guys, but it might be a, you're not preparing the way you need to be prepared. Yeah. This guy's 31 years old. He's been in the round. He knows what he's doing. Watch him for a couple of games and see what's going yeah. on. That could be what's being that's done. That's fair, I, and you're I, right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just also kind of blindly just throwing out pot shots. Um, <laughs> Rock NHL, who I almost that's what, annihilated. That's what writers and bloggers yeah. do. Uh, Rock NHL, who I almost annihilated on Twitter before the game the other day, and now I kind of wish I do. I did after seeing Flurry play so well. You want to know the other day why Flurry was starting. I'm like, if you're not playing Flurry against the Chicago Blackhawks on a second of a back-to-back, when he, you know, before a week where you're going to need him to play well against Edmonton or Vancouver, like, when are you going to play him? I mean, to me, well, you, don't, I think it was, you don't need to be a beat right. writer to figure that out. Well, not only that, but the guy hadn't played since Sweden. Sweden. So if you start to look ahead, and back-to-backs this week, so you know you're going to play him in one of those two games, do you really want the first time he's on the ice in what would be no, almost I mean, three weeks yeah, I mean, to be the a game in Edmonton or Vancouver? Yeah. And... It, whether Chicago's on the second of back-to-backs or not, I think at some point you had to get him in the game. Yeah, it was a perfect and it was a perfect spot to do it. Like, I just sometimes like questions are given to me, and I, I just like want to just like what, like how do how is this even a question that Flurry should not be starting? That right, game? and the but only anyway, the let me o- ask his question. He goes, "How much uh, say does Hines get in his staff personnel? Uh, do you see him making any in- additions, changes in the offseason? I do. I mean, unless Patrick Dwyer turns out to be the next great thing, I'm actually going to write about Patrick Dwyer here in the next little bit." Um, I've learned a lot about him in the last couple of weeks, and he seems like an incredibly, uh, you know, up and coming coach. I had a great team, conversation team with Ryan Carter. Yeah, I had a great conversation with Iowa with uh, with uh, with Iowa Wild GM Mike Murray the other day about him, and so um, you know, so I, we shouldn't say that he's definitely going to do it. Like it, maybe he just falls for Patrick Dwyer, but if not, um, you know, yeah, I, I would think that that in concert with Billy, but he's going to get to a chance to pick his assistant. At least some. I mean, every coach has got guys he trusts. And the beauty of it for this year's staff, I would say, is 
it's a lot different for a guy coming in when he did in November as opposed to March. You make a coaching change in March and a guy comes in and coaches with the existing staff for 15 or 18 or 20 games. Now you might not have as much of a appreciation for that staff Mm -hmm. when it comes to the off season and you say, okay, I got this guy and this guy that I've always coached with that I'd like to have here. He's going to coach with these guys for 60 games. So if you're one of these assistant coaches we talk about players with a fresh set of eyes and having to reprove themselves. The assistant coaches have to do that too, where you have to build up a trust that he, I'm a guy he can count on. I'm a guy whose opinion he can value. I can bring something to the table. And then you never know, even if he's got guys right now in his mind that, well, I've always coached with this guy, or I really like this guy, but you know what? I trust these guys I've got here. The guys seem to, the players seem to like him. Billy likes him. And you just never know. But I've talked about this with a few people when there's a coaching change. Everybody in the organization, same with when there's a GM change, you just never know who the guy might be. He might have his closest buddy might be his video guy everywhere he's been. And all of a sudden he says, I've Maybe always... Maybe a play-by-play guy. Could be a play-by-play guy. I mean, <laughs> I always, you always hope, you fear that whenever rights change or... Yeah. So you just never know who's, who might be his guy. Might be his strength guy, might be his massage guy, might be his power play guy, could be his penalty kill guy. You just don't know who his guy might be that he really trusts. And when that happens, everybody knows it in this business that when you were hired, when the head guy gets fired, it everybody's job becomes not on the hot seat necessarily, but it it becomes less certain. And you know, we'd work with all these guys every day. So you, you hope all of them survive every time there's a change. But as you and I have talked as a beat writer and a play-by-play guy, we've lived through multiple general managers and multiple coaches. Yeah. And, and every time there's some change and, and you, it also, you hate to you see know, good guys and, lose yeah, their jobs, but that's yeah. the nature of the business. It also provides on the ice guys with clean slates. Like, you know, one thing I wanted to point out to people the other day, they were all pissed off that Hartman was on the fourth line or Letary was taken out or all this stuff. And, why isn't JoJo being scratched up on the fourth line? It's like they're two and O under John Hines. Like he doesn't come here with the context that jo- that Marcos Johansson has struggled all year. He's coming here with a guy that with a clean slate trying to get this guy going. He doesn't just automatically throw him to that line. It's sort of the same thing as Ryan Hartman coming on the fourth line. Like, yeah, Ryan, you're a top nine forward, but you know what? You got suspended. They've won two games in a row. Pat Maroon's played really well. Now you got to wait. I mean, that's just the way the world works. And if, you know, when, when Billy Guerin and any coaching change says now the, the, it's a new voice, a new, and the, the slate is clean, the slate is clean. We all have been here 23 games. John Hines has been here three. And, you know, his job now is to get these guys going in a really good way. Yeah, and he has to lean on the assistant coaches for some of that information right away. What's been working, what's not yeah. been working. Because you do have to at least you have to have some idea of yeah. where to start. And so when those guys sat down and I've talked to a few of them, I've talked to John about it, that, that it'll use the Eck Boldy Johansson line as an example. Those guys are the ones who sit down and say, Hey, down the stretch last year, yeah, this line was terrific. And they haven't been great this year. We've tried them together a couple times, but all right, well, let's try that and let's start there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But now it's a different guy's eyes that are going to evaluate it and say, okay, well, 
here's what I see missing on that line, or here's why I see that line not clicking. So let's try this guy there instead. And this team, as we were talking about with Hartman earlier in the show, they have more options right now than they've had at any point in the last couple of years with everybody healthy. The last, I'd say last year and maybe even the year before, even when they had extra bodies, they weren't realistic options to throw into top six roles, first power play roles. Now you have it. You got a guy in your fourth line and Ryan Hartman who is capable of playing in the top six and not just as a stopgap, as an every night guy. You've got a guy in Freddie Gaudreau who maybe it's slightly more a stopgap, but we've seen skills from him. He scored yeah. 40 points last year. He could be a top six yeah. centerman for a long stretch if needed. There, you have some options yeah. that you haven't had before. Yep. Um, OC Wild Boys, uh, about five more. Up? Oh, maybe not. We'll see. If this, this podcast might end abruptly because um, I don't know what's going on with my Zoom. It's just sapping batteries out lately. Uh, Wild Boys asks, I still wish the Wild would have waited till the offseason to do a full coaching search. Do you agree? I mean, I would agree, I guess, if John Cooper gets fired by Tampa Bay, and then you're like, all right, well, but then you got to pay him $5 right, million right. as opposed to two. The team needed a spark, and they needed a spark right now. They thought the season was hanging in the balance, and as we talked, the timing was probably was favorable in terms of what was coming up on the schedule. I think it was time to take your one shot, fire the one bullet you had, to try to light a fire. Um, Jordan Duran asked, do you think a defenseman like Brock Faber could realistically ever win the Calder over a forward like uh, Connor Bedore and Marco Rossi or, or John or uh, uh, Leo Carlson? Um, I mean, well, frankly, yes. yeah, I do think that. I mean, I would think actually Luke Hughes might have a better thing. PHWA, the problem with the PHWA voting is a lot of people don't put research into this. So they're going to see the shiny right. toy of Connor Bedard with, you know, and whatever look, goals. With all of this. Connor Bedard is going to be a superstar in this league. He, he's already a really good player. He's going to have a more electric career than Brock Faber in all likelihood. But that doesn't mean that this year he's a better player in the National Hockey League. So yeah, he's going to put he's going to score more points. They're going to be meaningless on a team that's the second worst team in the NHL in all likelihood. He's going to be a minus machine where Faber's going to be a guy that a contending team is leaning on heavily in key moments, key spots. So Bedard's going to be the best player, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the most deserving of the Calder, but he, he will win the Calder uh, barring injury. If he plays all season, he'll end up winning it just because he's the guy everybody's already got in their mind is the best rookie. Yeah. Uh, a couple more minutes as my uh, zoom recorder flashing low battery, like Ryan Carter's uh, gas tank. Well, don't on, you uh, think you should shut it down and save it or does it automatic? I think it we're going to hope All right. it doesn't save. We're just going to do it again. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, Nelly asks, is there any moves the wild can make right now to clear up uh, space? I mean, barring a trade, maybe just putting John Merrill on waivers, which saves only 400 grand and you got to replace him anyway. So really that's what I mean. It, it saves like 400 grand. Uh, Skeeter asked about Charlie Strammel. Now one goal in the second NCAA season wasn't picked for world junior camp even today. How big of a concern it is, um, is this? I, I mean, it's a concern. I mean, there's no doubt about his struggles right now. Um, Wisconsin, you know, when Mike Hastings went there, he brought a couple people that essentially took Strammel's role. You know, who knows if this winds up in a portal or, or a situation at the end of the year. But, um, you know, the wild pick went for need here. He's not even playing center and he's playing, you know, 
like, you know, and now you're watching Gabe Perot just rack it up every single night. It, it's definitely a concern after a really tough freshman year. Now he's at the start of a very, very tough stop. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't asked anybody about him other than I know he was fighting an injury early in the yep. year that probably derailed things a little bit. But yeah, if you've got a guy that when you get a first round pick and you need that guy to end up being a player in your organization somehow, yep. some way. Jason asked, where is Mason Sean has returned to hockey? Uh, he is a non-contact practice player right now in Iowa and the hope is after Christmas at some point. Uh, Mason Stoltz is X, one of the best arenas in the league. I think top three. Um, it's definitely one of the nicest arenas in the league. It does need a facelift and it's going to eventually start to, you're going to start reading more and more in that as I write that. Um, Lucas uh, asked any more reason why David Spatrick was moved to the ECHL. Definitely AHL growing pains. That would be the only reason for that. Um, let me see if this is it. We, uh, we talked about Johansson. Um, Jordan asked, why don't they do teddy bear tosses for children's hospitals like other rinks do it? I'm not positive that happens actually in the NHL because there's such a strict time length on when the Zambonis have to go around during the period. Um, and final question of the show, Wyatt asks, uh, will Dewar and Duhame be here next season? That's the million dollar question. I mean, the cap's going to go up, but uh, one's a pending RFA, one's a pending UFA. Uh, they got to make room for players from the minors or, or prospects. Um, depends on their their the amount of money that they're going to command and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it'll be tight for sure, but they're two guys that Dean loved and John Hines has raved about them already in three games in that he loves what they brought to the table. So yep. they'll be playing in the NHL somewhere next Definitely. year and and we'll just have to see if it's yep. here. Yep. You don't you don't want to address Vinny's request to join us on the show before Christmas? We could do a show, but I think it's got to be not a live show. No, I know. Yeah, but but he's too uh, much of a liability to just put on live. Who knows what he's that's true. Well, it's it's Vinny and friends that want to come no, on. No, she had to get out. It's Stev, so he actually learns about the wild. We'll have him come it. and listen. We won't give him a microphone. Yeah, but we, we, there's a chance we'll have a special guest with some guys who claim to be wild insiders joining us on a show actually, before I think Christmas. Stev should join the podcast because uh, he's got an almost identical voice from. We can have people decide. Yeah, see, it. then it would be but people, people would people think decide. it was me that said yeah. it. Yeah. Because remember when my brother was on the podcast this summer, people didn't know the difference between him and I, and you and you and Stev have a very similar uh, yeah, issue. I'm so. not willing to take that shot. Your yeah. brother's an attorney, so he was very careful about what he'd say. Yeah, which I'm My never, brother's a moron. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, final question, actually. Nikki goes, why can't your followers understand you saying and writing that Faber and Rossi should be in the Calder conversation doesn't mean you don't think the Bedard will win it. Exactly. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, thanks to all our incredible sponsors and for joining us here at the Aquarius Home Services Studio on location in Calgary. Next live show, December 13th at 7 p.m. at Split Rocks. Um, wouldn't it be funny if this thing went out and we had to do it again? Um, thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatment systems, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning, Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagoshish, Aquarius Home Services, I mentioned Royal Credit Union, Bosch Law Firm, Twill and the Adina Galleria and Chris Lindahl Real Estate. See everybody on Wednesday night, December 13th, 7 p.m. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. All oh, but the world.